Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're turning to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 9 and over into chapter 10. Our reading tonight is on pages 814 over onto page 815 of the Pew Bibles, Matthew 9, beginning at verse 35, and we're reading down to chapter 10, verse 15. So Matthew 9, beginning at 35, and reading down to 10:15, pages 814, 815 of the Pew Bibles. In this passage, Jesus speaks about mission and what the church is to do as it goes on mission. And we're going to be thinking about these verses later in our service. So Matthew 9, beginning at verse 35, and this is God's word to us. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to it. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, at this point in our service, we're going to look at the Bible together. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be thinking about what Jesus says about mission You'll find it helpful to turn to Matthew 9 and 10. The passage we're thinking about this evening is on pages 814 over into 815 of the Pew Bibles. As you're turning that passage up, let me thank everyone who's been involved in our service tonight. Uh, Thank you to our young people for sharing with us, uh, to Bertie for leading us in prayer, and also to the praise group for leading our singing. Uh, Let's pray before we look at the Bible together. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful that it helps us as we seek to live as disciples for you in this broken world. And we pray tonight as we think about taking the gospel out into our own context or further afield, we pray that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, 
and that you would speak to us as we consider what the Bible says. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we support missionaries and encourage young people to serve the Lord Jesus? Why does the Christian church emphasize the importance of mission and evangelism? Why does our congregation have a missionary fund to support the work of mission across the world? A global mission is one of the unique aspects of evangelical Christianity when it's compared with other religions. So Muslims, Hindus and Buddhists don't emphasize mission and evangelism in the same way. In fact, mission and evangelism are pointedly different and for some within those other religions, mission and evangelism means violence and oppression. So where does the emphasis on spreading the good news, reaching people who have never heard and telling others about our faith come from? You probably know the answer, but the church of all ages was commanded by Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus' command to do that is recorded for us in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." With Jesus' words ringing in the church's ears, the church is not to remain static. Instead, it's to mobilize itself for mission. The command of our Savior, the one that we believe has rescued us from sin and death, the one who came down into our world to save us, is that we go out into all the world to tell others about him. So why do we support missionaries and encourage young people to serve the Lord Jesus? Why does the Christian church emphasize the importance of mission and evangelism? Why does our congregation have a missionary fund to support the work of mission across the world? It's because of the Great Commission. The Great Commission would have been a very natural passage for us to look at this evening, but instead we're going to think about Jesus' words in Matthew 9 and 10. The great thing about Jesus' teaching is that there are several passages about mission that are really helpful for us. The context of the passage that we're looking at this evening is that Jesus has been healing a variety of people. So if you, scan, if you scan your eye down Matthew 9 alone, he heals a paralytic, restores a girl to life, heals a woman who has been ill for some time, heals two blind men, and also heals a man who's unable to speak. As well as that, he calls Matthew to follow him, and he clears up a misunderstanding about fasting. So he's busy. He's demonstrating his power and authority but by the end of Matthew 9, Jesus begins to train others. Like a, a great football player who has become a great football manager, Jesus coaches and trains his followers in how to do mission. Well, what Jesus says in this section is easily summarized by five words or phrases. When it comes to mission, Jesus gives the church of all ages five words. See, care, pray, go, and proclaim. See the need, care about the lost, pray for more workers, go and tell others, proclaim that the kingdom is at hand. We're going to take each of those words and phrases and look at what Jesus says. Let's start with see. See the need. Look at what Matthew tells us in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The context of Jesus' words is that he's helping people who are in need, people who can't walk, 
people who can't see, and people who can't speak, people who are in spiritual darkness. He saw the torment, the exhaustion, and the agony of those around him, and he perceives their need. Matthew makes an Old Testament allusion with the phrase like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, That's picked up from Ezekiel 34, which is, is God's withering judgment on the shepherds of Israel. The religious leaders in Ezekiel's day didn't look after their people. They neglected those in their care while they prospered and lived an easy, comfortable life. After detailing the spiritual crimes of the religious leaders, God, through Ezekiel the prophet, said, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. That that promise that God makes finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. He is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, who comes to gather his sheep into his fold. And as the great shepherd, Jesus sees the need of people in his day. Seeing the need is the supreme motivation for mission. Seeing the need of those who are perishing outside of the kingdom. The need was obvious in Jesus' day. The need is obvious in our day. It wouldn't take you to go very far from our meeting house here tonight to find someone in need. You probably wouldn't have to to, to go very far at all. Our motivation for mission comes from seeing people who are harassed and who are helpless. Harassed by the spiritual powers of darkness. Harassed by the spirit of the age. Harassed by opponents of the Christian faith. Helpless because they're finding their hope in things that will never truly satisfy. Helpless because they're exhausted by the pace of life. Helpless because they're following a false religion and thinking that in some ways they're atoning for their sins when actually they're heaping judgment on themselves. The spiritual need in our day is great. The world is so hopelessly broken. You know it and I know it. But part of what it means to be interested in mission is to see the need. And our young people have seen the need. They've, they've been convinced that people in Romania, Spain, Thailand and Laos are harassed and helpless. And so they're going. As well as seeing the need, Jesus has care. He cares about the lost. So just look at verse 36 again. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The key word for this point is the word compassion. It's a really strong word in the original language of the Bible. To us, the word compassion is a fluffy word that maybe doesn't mean very much. But the original word means that Jesus was deeply moved in his stomach, in his guts. It's an earthy word and it describes a gut feeling, a deep sense of longing or sorrow in the pit of your stomach. Jesus cared about the lost. He didn't just think, oh, it's quite sad that people aren't following me, but oh well, not at all. He has compassion in the deepest sense of the word for people who don't know him as their saviour. Unfortunately, the church at large, broadly speaking, the church at large is very unlike Jesus. Most of the time, we couldn't care less. Let let me give you a few statistics. You can use statistics to prove anything nowadays, so I'm not going to overload you, but I want to to provoke you as you think about this. The proportion of of long-term missionaries from the global north, so our region, the developed world, is on the decline. Fewer missionaries are being sent out. 
Around 400 uh, 430,000 missionaries were sent out in total in 2021. 227,000 were sent from the Global North, and that works out at about 53% of total missionaries sent. In 1970, the Global North sent 88% of all missionaries. So it's 53% now, 1970, it was 88%. In comparison, the Global South, so less developed countries, countries not like ours, like our countries, the Global South is, is sending more missionaries. 203,000 missionaries were sent in 2021. That's 47% of the total number sent. In 1970, the Global South sent out just 31,000 missionaries, 12% of the total. Most missionaries come from North America and Europe, but countries like Brazil and South Korea, the Philippines and China are sending large numbers of missionaries out at the moment. The changes are, are, are really interesting and reflect the growth of the church in different parts of the world. We should celebrate that, but the changes also reflect the decline of the church in the West. The changes highlight the problem of liberal Christianity, which has become so popular in our day. Liberal Christianity doesn't do mission. Liberal Christianity doesn't care about the lost. It has nothing to offer them. As well as reflecting the decline of the church in the West, they also reflect an attitude, those statistics also reflect an attitude, a change in the attitude of evangelicals. We've maybe become too respectable. We're maybe too similar to those who don't know Jesus in our context. We've maybe got to the point where we don't care. It's a challenge for us as individuals and as a church family. How much do you care about the work of Christian mission? Do you lift the prayer letters that we leave in the vestibules week by week? Do you follow the work of any organizations or people? Are you interested in some of the people we support through the missionary fund? Do you care about the lost? Jesus did. He, he was moved in the pit of his stomach. We're barely moved to think beyond our own situations. When it comes to mission, Jesus gives the church of all ages five words. We've thought about two so far. See the need care about the lost. Here's the third, pray. Pray for more workers. Look at Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Jesus said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The essential thing to notice in verses 37 and 38 is that the harvest belongs to Jesus. It's his harvest. And that's good news. That's a relief. It doesn't all depend on us. We are not lords of the harvest. That's Jesus' job. We're called to pray, though. Well, why do we see the need but not care in any real sense? It's probably because we're not praying. The harvest is great. There are opportunities galore, but the laborers are few, pitifully few. There's a huge, huge, huge need for workers because there aren't enough. Now, the thing about what Jesus says here is that it applies to the church of all ages. For most of the church's history, the laborers have been few. There are exceptions, but for the most part, the church has experienced a labor shortage. When compared with the vast world before us, there just aren't enough people to go out. And let me give you some examples of current labor shortages within the church. And let's focus on our island, the island of Ireland. You'd think that we were pretty well stocked with gospel workers, certainly in the north. But listen to this. 
According to EMF, European Missionary Fellowship, Ireland is the least reached nation in Europe with one of the lowest evangelical populations. That's Ireland. Our island is the least reached nation in Europe. Do you know how big the evangelical population in Ireland is in percentage terms? It's 0.5%. It's tiny. The least reached nation in Europe. As well as that, 59% of the evangelical churches in Ireland were formed in the last 40 years. There are 130 towns with a population of 5,000 or more with no evangelical witness of any sort. You can go for miles in Ireland without ever coming across an evangelical church. There's a labor shortage on our island. There isn't enough gospel workers. There's a labor shortage within our denomination too. There are fewer ministry students coming through Union College at the moment. Basically, the problem in PCI is that the number of students doesn't equal the number of retirements. If you look at the back of the Herald, you'll see that there are well over 50 vacancies within our denomination. Now, there will be changes in terms of where churches are, but there's a labor shortage. There aren't enough gospel workers. And the need is great. On our island, in our province, in our day, people are content in sin and spiritual darkness. People are content in nominalism, which is just dangerous. But despite all the doom and gloom, there's a Lord of the harvest. What an encouragement that is. We're not responsible for the growth of the kingdom. Jesus is. He's the Lord of the harvest. But he seeks our cooperation in prayer and in going. We need to pray earnestly, regularly and faithfully that God would raise up people to serve him. We need to pray for Ellie and Ethan, Jacob and Ely, Jude and Keziah as they serve this summer. We need to pray that, that, that God would raise up more people from our church family to go out and to serve him. We need to pray that God would even be working in the hearts of some of the boys and girls who were at the front this morning, that one day they would go into full-time Christian service or that they would go to the mission field. See the need, care about the lost, pray for more workers. Go, go and tell others. That's the fourth thing in this passage. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 10, five to seven. He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says go. He doesn't say wait. He doesn't say stop and evaluate. He doesn't say do it later. He says go. The, the people that he was commissioning were given a clear, limited objective. It was also specific because they were the apostles. But they're to go to the lost, to the distressed and the poor. In verses 7 to 15, Jesus outlines some of the work that they're to be involved in. Preaching, visiting, personal conversations, there's a variety of different jobs. But the word is go. And the word for us is go. It's to go into your workplace or your school or your farmyard tomorrow with the prayer. Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. We're very good at telling people about our church, what our church is doing, how we're building a new church, about how we have loads of children and young people. But we're not as good as moving it on just that step further and telling people about Jesus. Well, why not pray this week that you'll have the opportunity, wherever you've gone to, to tell someone about Jesus? The, the word is go. Go into your everyday environment. 
go on a short-term mission trip at home or abroad. It's maybe too late to go abroad this year, but you can help out with Holiday Bible Club. We'll need leaders for that. Come and help us. The the word is go. Go go into full-time Christian service. Go to the mission field. Maybe through reading the Bible and praying, you've sensed that God is calling you to serve him. Come and talk to me about that. Talk to a Christian that you, you respect or know well. But, but, but if God's speaking to you in that way, go, do it. We're very good with excuses. We'd rather not leave our families. We'd rather stay close to our friends. We're worried about losing some of the comforts that we hold so dearly. L- let me tell you a story about someone who went. Having been called to go, John G. Patton went. Patton was a young Scottish man who was involved in a fruitful work with the Glasgow City Mission. The Lord called him to go to the New Hebrides, some islands east of Australia. In his autobiography, Patton said that when he began to tell people that he was preparing to go out to the mission field, nearly all were dead against the proposal. There was one man called Mr. Dixon who was persistent in his opposition to Patton's decision. He kept saying to Patton, the cannibals, you'll be eaten by cannibals. That's what had happened to the first missionaries to the New Hebrides. They had been eaten by the natives. Having been badgered for long enough, Patton finally spoke to Mr. Dixon and he said this. He said, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be led in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in that great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. All Mr. Dixon said in response was, after that, I have nothing more to say, And he left the room. Having been called to go, John G. Patton went. We'll all be eaten by worms someday. But for us, the word is go. Go into your everyday environment. Go on a short-term mission trip. Go into full-time Christian service. Go to the mission field. Don't just come up with excuses. See, pray. See, care, pray, go. And proclaim, that's our last word, proclaim that the kingdom is at hand. Notice what Jesus says in verse 7. He says, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Social justice is really important. It's vital that the church shows the compassion of Christ in practical terms, alleviating water shortages, providing basic sanitation, helping practically in war-torn regions are all great things for the church to do. But the church is not a government department. It's a divine institution created by God to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. It's insightful to realize that as you read the gospels, that mission for Jesus is never just healing. It's preach, then heal. It's never just healing. It's preach, then heal. Preaching, explaining, proclaiming, telling others the good news is at the heart of Christian mission. Social justice will have less of an effect if it's without the proclamation of the gospel. It's as Jesus says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we don't want to be indifferent about the suffering around the world. We don't want to think that evangelism is the only thing in life that really counts. 
We don't want to think that Christians who risk their lives and sacrifice for the poor are wasting their time. We don't want to retreat into a holy huddle and keep ourselves to ourselves. But we do want to make make sure that the gospel is of first importance in our churches. We want to remember that there's something worse than death and something better than human flourishing. Let me explain that. There's something worse than death. Death is bad and death is sad, but a worse disaster can come to a person. There's something much worse than death, and that's what comes after death if you don't trust in Jesus. The Bible makes it clear to us that all those who reject God in this life are separated from him upon their death, and they're separated from him forever, and they go to a place called hell. We need to remember that there's, a, there's something worse than death. Since hell is real, we should never think that alleviating earthly suffering is the most loving thing we can do. Since hell is real, evangelism and discipleship are not simply good options. They're actually a matter of life and death. We need to remember that there's something worse than death and that there's something better than human flourishing. Sometimes we miss the end of the story of the Bible and we miss what it's all about. Yes, there'll be a new creation. Yes, heaven will come down to earth. Yes, there'll be peace and prosperity, security and abundance. But worship is the end of the story. In the book of Revelation, we read of all mission coming to an end, the mission of God finished. We're given a picture of all nations gathering before the throne of God and crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As we read that, it becomes clear that mission is a means to an end. The end being the total focus of worship and glory and the glory of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us to proclaim that the kingdom is at hand. There's something worse than death. Hell is real and something better than human flourishing. The the end, the, the, the goal of mission is worship with God in eternity. Preaching, explaining, proclaiming, telling others the good news is at the heart of Christian mission. So when it comes to mission, Jesus gives the church of all ages five simple words. See, care, pray, go, proclaim. See the need, it's all around us. Care about the lost, the people we work with, the people we're friends with, the people we know and love. Pray for more workers. There just aren't enough. Go and tell others. Pray for opportunities this week. Proclaim that the kingdom is at hand, that there is a day coming when God will wrap up history, judge the world in righteousness, and worship will break out for Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot more that we could say about mission, about how we do it, about how we think strategically, about how it works in our context. We don't have time to go there tonight, but but I hope by reminding ourselves of these general principles we're made to think about how seriously we take Jesus' commands. That's the thing. They're commands. They're not suggestions. They're not guidelines. They're commands. See, care, pray, go, and proclaim. We shouldn't forget that the Lord of the harvest will be with us as we work for him. We shouldn't forget the last line of the Great Commission, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As we see, care, pray, go and proclaim, Jesus is with us. That's really encouraging. And I hope that you're encouraged 
because I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by Jesus' words, and I'm and I'm and I'm encouraged from what our to, uh, I'm encouraged to see young people from our church family going out on mission. We want to build on that. We want to encourage others to go out on mission locally and further afield. We want to pray that God would use our church family to impact other parts of our island and also other parts of our world as well. Final thing, then we're done. What if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian? Let me tell you a secret. You are part of our mission field. And we want you to realize how amazing Jesus is. We're praying for you. We're praying that you'll trust him. We pray for you all the time. We pray that God would speak to you as his word is opened so that people who don't know Jesus, just like you, would come to trust him for the first time. We see your need to trust in Christ. We care about you because you're lost. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. We're praying that you'll come to know him in these days as well. Let's pray together as we close. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We realize that it's a challenging word for us tonight. We pray that you would help us to think some of the things that we've talked about through. We pray that we would see the need clearly, the need to, to take your gospel, your good news into our world. We pray that you would help us to care more for the lost, help us to be earnest in prayer for more gospel workers. Give, give us opportunities as we Go out into our different contexts this week to, to speak of you, to proclaim that the kingdom is at hand. We thank you that you're working in our church family and we thank you that you've raised up six young people to serve you this summer. And we pray again for Ethan and Ellie, Jacob and Ailey, Jude and Keziah. And we pray that you would use them as they go to, to their different countries this summer. Keep them safe, bring them back to us and encourage us through their service. Father, continue with us and bless us, we pray. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.